Welcome to the Philosopher Change Podcast. I am your host, Adam Guthrow. This podcast is going to focus on talking with business owners, entrepreneurs, solar practitioners, and learning the stories behind them. Every week we will hear a new story, and hopefully one of these stories can inspire you to hit your own goals, whatever they may be. On this week's episode, we are talking to Nicole Aribabor, who is a criminal defense attorney from the greater Boston area. She has a great story and you're really in for a treat here. So sit tight and learn how passion can carry you further than you ever imagined. Okay, welcome, Mrs. Not Mrs. Miss Nicole Aribabor. Hopefully one day to be Mrs. in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely amazing. Okay, so real quick, can you just give us a background of who you are and what you do? Well, first of all, thank you, um, Mr. Guthrie, for having me on this awesome podcast. I'm so glad to be here. So glad to be with you and the listeners. Um, And really glad that you're doing this for your community. Um, So I am an attorney. I started my own practice pretty much right after law school because I couldn't find a job. And there was nothing else for me to do. And luckily, I, the, uh, what I learned, um, what I learned when I got out of law school was, as a lawyer, you're a walking business. You know, people are always looking for lawyers. And if you're if you if you're willing to take a job, you can always find something. So I just started taking cases. People would ask, "Hey, are you a lawyer?" And I'd say, "Yes, I'll do whatever you want." <laughs> and um, what kind of lawyering do you do? What kind of law do I practice? Is that how it's pronounced? Is that how it's pronounced? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Excuse me. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I, I'm right now. I'm a criminal defense attorney. But when I first started, I did everything, anything, just to one to make some money because I had no money. I got out. Of, I got out of law school in 2011 when uh, the recession. You know, things were just getting movement. The economy was just moving a little bit um, after the 2008 crash. Um, but it was still really hard to get a job and the legal field was overly highly populated mm-hmm. and saturated, especially in Boston, Massachusetts, which is where I was. I, I finished law school. So I did all types of law. I did family law, housing, civil. I, I charged for pennies on a dollar. Just Working so for a- um, some foundations, too? No, not then. I, in, the, in the beginning, I was just trying to... Um, to market myself, though, what I did was I started to uh, work for organizations. So I worked for the NAACP as the legal, as the uh, executive for the Legal Redress Board. And everybody should know who that is. Yeah, I'm sure everybody knows <laughs> who the NAACP is. And it was the NAACP Boston chapter. So I did that. Um, and I just did little things uh, with just small organizations. Whenever anybody would ask if I could come in and speak to a community about immigration law or, um, you know, criminal or, or, or students, I would go to schools and talk to students about criminal law and stuff like that. So I did all of that just to help myself with marketing. Awesome. Amazing. So let's go back to before you even thought about being a lawyer. Um, Before you got on the path, what sets you on that path of being a lawyer? What are you doing at that time? And what's the event that happens that you decide that this is going to be your profession? Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, All right. Well, I guess I yeah, sure. I can share that story. Um, I was in undergrad and I had a boyfriend at the time. And this boyfriend was in and out of jail all the time. 
Um, and one, yeah. <laughs> and I was still in school. I think that was my last year of, of, of undergrad. And I, I didn't know what else I wanted to do. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was, I was pretty much a history major and you can't make any money off history. So I didn't, I, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a teacher, but kids were a lot, you know, being a teacher was a lot. So I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And one of his, one of the times that he was actually in jail, uh, I went to visit him and I was talking to him about my issue and he was like, you should become a lawyer. And I was like, <laughs> I should become a lawyer. Yeah, wait here I for should. six years. I'll be back. I should become a lawyer. He didn't stay in that long, but he definitely put the, put the uh, seed um, he planted the seed to be a lawyer, and then because I really, I really didn't have any guidance, but it was a, it was a worthy seed because um, I love what I do, and it was, it was exactly right for me, um, and that's where I started. I just started never there. popped into your head at all before that moment. There were moments. There were, there were definitely moments um, where I. I wanted to advocate for people, for sure. Especially, I come from a, a immigrant background. My parents are Nigerian. From and, Nigeria, yeah. Yeah, and they would, uh, and there was like there was this one moment when I, I remember I was five or six, and we were, and our house has set on fire, and we were in the home when the house was on fire, and the alarm never went off. The the the, the fire alarm never went off, and I remember the landlord was yelling at my parents. Because the house, because it, the, the house set on fire or whatever, even though it was accidental. And I remember trying to, you know, yell at them, hey, the fire alarm didn't even work. You know, I'm, I'm five or six years old <laughs> and my mother grabbed me up and said, you don't talk to adults like that. Because, you you know, especially with Nigerians, adults and elderly people are always to be respected, even when they're wrong. So, uh or when they almost kill your family. Or when they almost kill your family. Right. And and because my parents were immigrants um, and, and this is something that, 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 that followed, I, I feel like followed them for a long, for mo- most of their life, if not all of their life, they were, they were always fearful of speaking up because of their status. Now they were legal. They were legally allowed to be in the country, but they were just always afraid that, you know, they could get themselves in trouble and they could, you know, lose their life here yeah. in, in America. There's so, a lot to take into consideration before doing anything. Yeah. When and they that's, always when that's did. on the line of not being able to exist in the place that you call your home. Yeah. And they always did. So, so, so sometimes I didn't get a chance to see them. I mean, there were fighters in the house and fighters about other things, but I was, I would, unfortunately I would see them in, in other moments being really meek and quiet and timid because they couldn't, they didn't feel like they were in a space where they could speak up for themselves. I mean, they've definitely done it before they've definitely been radical and other things but i would see i would see these moments or whatever so that would really get to me and i would just and and also i would just see uh i mean i was a history major and i was specifically an african studies history major so i would see a lot of or read about a lot of things that happened to people of color in the united states and um and it was lawyers it it was lawyers and teachers that I that I learned were the ones who were always like taking the steps, the the forward steps to to changing this country and the laws. The free thinkers, yeah. the people that are able to do things and exactly. uh, and have it not be backlash for them. Exactly, exactly. And there, I, I believe lawyers and teachers, or not teachers, lawyers and educators, um, have this the most, yeah. 
the, the strongest backbone to be able to move forward and do certain things. So I would hear about, you know, Thurgood Marshall, especially, um, who was one of my heroes. Uh, so I would, I, I thought about it, but I didn't think about it like that. I didn't, I didn't think about it like that, but seeing my boyfriend in jail and also watching his, his experience with the legal system, watching his experience with his lawyers. My mother also was arrested one time um, for something very small, but it, it, it affected her life so much. And her lawyer made her plead out, plea out to uh, something that she shouldn't have pled out to. This was a um, public defender? Yes, it was a public defender. And I, I'm a public defender too, I, or I, I take on um, indigent clients as a, as a part of my caseload through this organization I work for now. So I don't think, I think public defenders are wonderful, wonderful attorneys, but there are some just like in every career field who don't, who are not as passionate about their job as, as they need to be, especially when it comes to the fact that, you know, be, people's lives are on the line. Yeah. Public service. Is, yeah, uh, exactly. Is that that. And that should be the passion. Some people, some people can't get a job. So they, you know, they do public defense, public defender, become a public defender for the money, Right. but it's not that much money. So it makes no sense to do that. It's okay. When it's the girl scooping your ice cream, <laughs> very, you can tell that she doesn't really want to be there. Yeah. But you can't be like that when you're in court <laughs> with somebody's whole life. So that affected her forever. She lost her job. She had a job that she had been working for at least like seven or eight years. She lost that job. She was never able to get another job again. Me and my brother, who were in high school at the time, had to work two jobs so that we could be able to help her pay rents and um, the utilities. So you got to see the direct impact yeah, a lawyer exactly. can make on a household, a exactly, family. Exactly, exactly. And even then, after that, I still wasn't like, do I want to be a lawyer? Yeah. <laughs> it still wasn't be something that... Uh, that that that's struck in me but so you're in you're in school you get the spark and so what are your next steps from then so what happened was um that boyfriend that wonderful boyfriend he passed away right before i got my first um acceptance letter to law school and it changed my whole mindset on, how, on what I was going to do in law school. Before that, I was thinking corporate, like I was just going to go in and try to get a corporate job thinking about that money and making money. That's <laughs> it. That's all I was thinking about was making money. Um, but when he passed away, it, it was it was to, I, I, I lived sheltered, a sheltered enough life where I, I had never been around people or been with people who um Law, who lost people to gun violence and I had never lost somebody so close to gun violence and I and I just didn't think it it made sense you know but but when you lose somebody when somebody dies in that way in your head you think nobody else is ever going to die that way that's it that's he's the last victim in the world to ever die that way because that's such a terrible way for, for somebody to die and I, I didn't mention it but he was he was killed um but then the next day, like, a, I remember a 14-year-old was killed. And then the next day after that, I remember there was a 17-year-old that was killed. And then the next day after that, was an 11-year-old that was killed. Yeah. And it just... Because it, 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 now you're paying attention. You're hyper yes, focused on exactly. it. Yes, exactly. And it, it woke me up to what's going on in the community that I had. I mean, I'm, I was 22. I was young. I was enjoying doing whatever 22-year-olds do. So I, 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 was, I was really self-censored. But it, it made me really selfless. So that, so much so that when I went into law school, I just changed my whole focus to, to 
I, I still wasn't sure if I wanted to do criminal defense, but I did a lot of community outreach things. I was really involved in um, volunteering. I started a, a program in my law school where we uh, tutored uh, underperforming high school. And I had law school students from my school go, go, go to these high schools and um, prepare them for a mock trial, a statewide mock trial. Some of them I still talk to now. And they, they did that for two more years after I left. And I think it's, it stopped now. But I created that program. And I did a lot of things within the law school. Like, uh, I did a, I, I was just really involved in, like, community service. And Super busy. the next thing, that the, the best next thing after that was, like, okay, criminal defense. So. So that's, that's what you came to after doing all this public service mm-hmm. and doing all this service for other students. You decide that, like, this feels good. This yeah. feels better than what I thought money would feel like. Yes, absolutely. I definitely, it was the best feeling I ever had to be able to help people who look like me, you know, and especially because I was the only person of color. No, I wasn't the only person of color. I was the only black um, woman in my law school class. And it was like out of 200 people. And Just it was, one. I was the only one. Just one. <laughs> and it was, a, it was, it was a big deal. Um, and, and that was a big deal. You know what? There's another, I think there was another black girl. No, no, she wasn't in my class. But it was a big deal for me when I saw these students, for them to see me, you know, for because I went, we went to, I went to, you know, high schools right in the same neighborhood. You know, I grew up in these, in these neighborhoods. I knew what it was, was like to live in these neighborhoods. Representation so, is yeah. super important. And I, I, I felt like that. And I felt like it was really important for me to, for them to see that, you know, you can, you can go through all of these things and you can be at the space. And a lot of them did well. I, well, well, we had a, a class of 10, two of them did really well, which is still hard because the school was, the, the the levels that these students have went went to went through um, is amazing. The the ones I still keep in contact with is amazing. Oh, that's awesome! So you get through the school. You're a super badass warrior through the whole thing. <laughs> I wouldn't say badass, but okay. <laughs> We're gonna go with badass. I think I think it fits right here. So you're super badass. So you graduate from school, and what's the what's your first thought like once you graduate? What are you thinking? Like, okay, now I need to go do X. What's your X? So at the time, I, was, I think I was trying to get into like public policy. Couldn't get a job. My grades weren't that great when I finished law school, by the way. Uh, Did I, people check the grades for... Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's oh. a big deal. You, it's a, <laughs> your grades are a big deal when you get out of law school, including your writing. So I was still having... I was having a hard time with, with certain um, legal skills. So... I, I was applying to jobs, but I wasn't hearing anything. So what I did was I just started marketing free services. I worked as a waitress during the day, during the night. I worked as a waitress and a bartender for a little while too, um, <laughs> at a restaurant and a, a, a jazz, a jazz, uh, was a, a, I don't want to say a jazz club because it was so small. A jazz bar. It's a, a, a jazz well-known, booth. A jazz, <laughs> it's a well-known historical uh, jazz spot in Boston. Well, people it's were a lot called, smaller back then, so yeah. No, it's, it's still be. It's still it's, it's it's been around for like I don't know what 30, 40 years. No, no. It's since nineteen twenty. It's been there since nineteen twenty. It's called Wally's. So I bartended at Wally's, and then I worked as a. Uh, uh, and I worked as a uh, waitress at nighttime. That's how I got m- money to, to live anywhere. I, I mean, that's how I got any money. I lived with my, my father and my like f- 
three brothers and my sister in this like small ass apartments. Um, and then during the day, I would, I would, like I said, just market free services. I would go to courts. I would speak to attorneys. I would say, hey, can I write for you? Can I, you know, write your motions? Can I help you on a trial? Can I organize your documents or whatever? Um, I used to, I, I, I clerked for a judge, a really gr great judge when I was in law school. And I asked him, you know, can I intern for you while, while I'm looking for a job? And he's like, I don't have any work for you, but you can intern for this other judge that I know who just became a judge. Um, this woman who just became a judge. And she took me on and I was interning for her. And I was working for this, like, I was working for free for this civil attorney. I, I was working. Just networking. Literally, that's all I was doing. Because one, I recognized I need, I, I can't allow any time to go by where I don't get experience. So I was willing to do anything for free. And two, I knew that I needed to meet people and in, in case a job could be open for me, right? Like maybe if I meet somebody, they might like my 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 um my writing and and hire me or whatever. So so all this is happening. You just graduate from you graduate. You're past the bar. Mm -hmm. You passed the bar at this point when you're doing this work. Uh, this was this this no. I hadn't I hadn't I I was when I graduated from law school. Uh, then for two and a half months, you, you study for the bar. So I wasn't doing anything for those, those two and a half months. After I finished taking the bar is when I started looking. Okay. I, I was working and looking for so, work. So you're running around like crazy. You're trying to do anything that has anything that can go on a resume for a lawyer mm -hmm. or to, to meet somebody that could possibly uh, either be a, a friend or a, a job creator for you in the future. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, how long does this go on for? And also, it's like, are you feeling during this time? Are you feeling discouraged? Are you feeling encouraged? Are you just dr you just driven past it? Positivity? Are you having doubts? Like, what's going on? You know, you know what I I did not. Surprisingly, I was not discouraged. I wasn't discouraged. No, um, because I I just would not stop. I would not stop. I didn't care how many jobs would say, and this this is this happened. You know, some people that I worked for would say, "You should not be a lawyer. You should probably stop." <laughs> and be, one person said she that I'd be better off as like a legal secretary or something like that. Oh, you could say fuck that guy. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> I, it was good because it made me when I when I got this feedback. Um, yeah, there's, there's those points where you start doubting yourself and doubting your abilities. But then the next, the, after that level is the, well, thanks for that because now I know what I need to work on. Because the worst thing is walking around thinking you know what, you, what the hell you're doing and you don't know shit. And nobody's trying to tell you nothing. They just don't want to hire you. That's the worst, right? So, but I don't even, I don't even fault her either because it really helped me. It like, it made me want to work harder. So when I, I met with other attorneys, I was like, give me the experience, give me the opportunity so I can do, I can get better because that's what it is. It's just getting better. So I wasn't discouraged. I was just, I was highly motivated. And what is different from me than other people is I was highly motivated to be better. Not, not because of money. Money was not my motivation. Honestly, for me, all I used to, I, 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 I prayed a lot back then 
And I used to say, you know, God, if you can just get me a job where I can help people, that's all I want. I never thought about getting money. I never thought about uh, being able to afford. I didn't even think about being able to afford an apartment, let alone uh, buying a house one day. I just wanted, uh, I just wanted to be better. So that was my motivation. And I didn't get to, I, I, I wasn't discouraged. I was just trying my hardest to, um, to, to, to stay, stay up. If, and, and remaining ambitious, even if, even though I couldn't, I couldn't see where I was going. All right. Yeah. That's, that's good for you. I don't think a lot of people would have felt the same way in your shoes. Yeah, I know a lot of people, I mean, I don't know. I guess if you have to, I, I really don't, I, I, sometimes it's weird to me when people talk about, um, you know, wanting to start things, but they don't want to start from the bottom, you know, and I get it, True. especially if you have, if, especially if you need money right now, if you need to, if you need to, if you got children and you got bills to pay today. Well, when you go to, it's like when you go to college and you're looking at jobs and you're talking to the counselor, they don't tell you what that job starts at. They tell you like, oh, if you take that job, those, some people in that job will make 120K a year, 80K a year, you know, 250K a year. But they're talking about people that have been in the field for yeah. 10, 20 years. Right, exactly. You know, you forget that part. You can do anything for 10 or 20 years and make good money at it. Like <laughs> You know what's so crazy? I never even thought about, I never even thought about making that much money. Even that. I never even talk, thought about those. I thought that, I thought, I knew that I was going to go into public service and I knew public service didn't pay any money. And and I thought, I always thought that the people who make that kind of money make all, you know, $200,000, $300,000 a year are um, corporate attorneys. And then because of all my networking, the judge that I, that I was interning for um, after I passed the bar, she introduced me to my mentor, who's still my mentor today. And that's when I learned you can be a criminal defense attorney and make three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 a year. That's where I, that is where I learned that you can make money and you can still help people and you can still do do this work while you're already doing it. While you're already doing so it, so the conscience is clean, right? So yeah, exactly. The conscience is clean. I mean, depend on depend on what I'm doing and who I'm working for. I don't do murders and I don't do rapes and stuff like that. I don't do any of those things to keep my conscience as balanced as possible. <laughs> but yeah, I remember the first time I met him. He said. And I, again, I gave him the same spiel I gave to all these attorneys. I was like, can I write for you? Do you want me to write any motions for you? Do you want me to organize, you know, prepare you for a trial or whatever? And he's like, oh, yeah, you can write me this motion. I was like, OK, great. He's like, how much are you going to charge me? And that's the first time. First time. Yeah, that's the first time. How, how far along are you in this on this journey before you get offered your first paid gig right here? This is my first pay gig. Oh, no, I, I just. This is six months in. A year. I had just graduated. I had just passed the bar. So I, I, well, I just learned that I passed the bar. So that was in November, the beginning of November. So it was like middle November. Because as soon as I, I passed the bar, I told the judge that I was interning for him. And she said, here, call this guy. Call this, um, call this, this person. And he's going to, am I allowed to say names on here? Or Yeah, you can say names. It's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Rudolph Miller, Rudy Miller. He's like my brother now. But back, this was like, this is, has been 10 years now. So he said, um, she said, call this attorney, Rudy Miller. He's a great guy. You know, maybe he can give you some work. So I called him. I, I, I met with him and he was like, okay, hey, well, I need this written up. Can you do this for me? And I said, yeah, sure. And he's like, how much are you going to charge me? And I had never, this was the first time I had ever got paid to so do legal work. 
You have to start. Th- have to I couldn't start even. Turning. I didn't even know what number. I didn't even know what people charge for stuff like this. And I was like, I don't know. He said, "Can I give you five hundred dollars?" I said, five hundred dollars." <laughs> Listen, I said that was the first of all. I I had been writing so much, had never gotten paid. So to get paid anything was a big step up. But five hundred dollars was like rent money. Like that's somebody's. That is a that that is my father. Well, like if, half my father's rent right there. If uh, if you had to come up with your own dollar figure right then, oh, I would have I would have lowballed the hell out of myself. <laughs> I probably would have said fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have said I would have lowballed the hell out of my. Honestly, honestly, I I think I probably was like, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I can just do the work. And he's like, no, it's fine. I'll give you. And then, and then when he said five hundred dollars, I was like, okay, yeah. yeah, sure. No, I can't do it for any less than five hundred now. Listen, and this was my <laughs> this was my first into my first time meeting him. Like I had not met him before. This is my first time meeting him. He said, okay, you can do it for me. I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. And I'm still thinking like, okay, I'm gonna go write it. And then as soon as I'm done writing it, he's gonna pay me five hundred dollars. He said, hold on, pulled out. A whole bunch of hundreds, way more than five hundred dollars. He said, "It's like counting the money." He said, "Yeah, here's five hundred dollars." My first meeting, the first time I met anybody who wanted to pay me for my legal work, five hundred dollars right on the spot. My goodness, how good did that feel? It was the best feeling in the world <laughs> to work when you work and you get paid. Feels way better than working for free. <laughs> feels way better. That's I called true. everybody. I mean, because. Nobody was thinking about five hundred dollars for us. We, we, you know, we grew up kind of poor or, or uh, <laughs> struggling. Yeah. I'll say so. Five hundred dollars, just like that, not like per, per hour. You know, like not. I didn't have to work three weeks to get this five hundred dollars. Was right there. It was a big deal. Yeah. So yeah. That's awesome. So you get your first. You get your first paid gig. Um, and I'm guessing that you still keep doing free stuff and. Take, yeah. Maybe take mm-hmm. a little pay here and there. Still, mm-hmm. still working with, uh, was it Rudy, Rudy yeah, Miller? Yeah, Rudy Miller. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, so when does when do you start saying to yourself, like, okay, I need to actually start making money with this lawyer thing and and I need to give up my other jobs and focus on it? Uh, oh. It took me a whole year for me to, I was still waitressing. And I, yeah, I was still waitressing because I, I was making a little bit of money at waitressing, but not not real, not lawyer money. Definitely not not the money I should expect from like my career. But I was making, you know, a little bit of money here and there as a waitress. And it was stable. Right. And I was so scared because I was working for myself. And that meant that I had to go out there and look for my cases. Right. So I was just so scared that I was going to fail. But uh you know what happened? One day, there was another girl who was working in the office with Rudy Miller at the time. And we would see each other in court sometimes. And I remember one time I was in court and she said, she said to me, and she probably doesn't even remember this, but she said to me, listen, you're bullshitting. You're not, you're not taking this shit seriously. You need, to, you, you, need to, you need to take this shit seriously. I see what you're doing and you're bullshitting. You're not, you're not doing what you need to be doing. And I took that. I took that to heed. Like, what does oh, she? What does she mean by that? Oh, because like I, because like, you were doing the second. Yeah, job. like I was still doing things part time. I was still I was still doing you know little like being a lawyer was part time and being a waitress was full time. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah. I wasn't putting all, my all into this career, and this it was my career. I I went to school for this. Yes. You know, <laughs> I I, I paid for this. I, I'm invested in this. Like I'm already doing certain things. So 
When she said that to me, I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting a hundred percent into this, um, into this job. And that's when I decided to form my own office, um, get my business license. Your first office is at, is it, a home office? Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't a home office. Um, Miller, Rudy Miller, Rudy, we're just gonna call him Rudy. That's why I call him. Rudy had an office and he let me, he had, let me use my office, use his office space. And that was my address. That was my first address, uh, my first office address. And I, um, I did the whole thing, business license, business, you know, business checks, business cards. I, uh, that's when I really started going hard and going to like different community events and meeting people before I was afraid to say, I'm a lawyer. You know, when people would ask, Hey, do you know a lawyer? I would say, um, meekly raise my hand. <laughs> I, I can probably help you with something. I passed the bar. You know? <laughs> exactly. I was so afraid to say it. And then, but when I, when I started to step out on my own, and another advice this girl gave me too, she was like, if anybody comes with anything, any they want anything, just say, yeah, I'll do it and figure it out, figure that shit out. So I was saying yes to everything. I was taking every single anything. If anything, somebody came to me, yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. I did everything from and figure it out. Landlord, tenant law to so one time I got myself into a situation where Geico, the big insurance company, was suing a whole bunch of defendants, including my clients. And I'm talking about they were killing because if you work with a, if if you work against a corporation, right? Their attorneys, their corporate attorneys, they've got money. So they've got enough money to to drown you in paperwork. They've got enough money to like waste your time doing a whole bunch of legal things that you depositions after depositions, running in and out of court, arguing motions that you don't even think you know, have any grounds just over and over. That was one of my first cases. It's me against my little self who doesn't know what she's doing against Geico. And I won. I won. <laughs> Beat Geico. I won. And I charged this lady all the work that I did because I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing. All the work that I did, I charged like $2,500 $2, for a case that anybody would have charged like 30000 for. How many hours do you think you had oh, that, my that goodness. case? Oh, my goodness. First of all, I didn't know what I was doing, so I got to do way more research than other people. True, I'm true. calling a whole bunch of attorneys, asking them for advice about certain things, preparing for arguments. I probably spent at least 100 hours because I was literally working. It, and it was a civil cases take a while or whatever. And I was, I was, I was literally working like well, that's, seven hours a day trying to understand what I was doing. That's where all your networking paid off, because then you had all these different people to call and, and ask for advice. Yeah, kind of fast track everything a little bit for you. Yeah, it, well, it helped. It, the funny thing, I don't, I don't remember a lot of the people I called. I just found them somewhere. Yes. <laughs> I, I asked Rudy. You find for some their people. ads. <laughs> I, I asked Rudy for some of the some of the people who asked. Who would ask other people and I would call and they were always that's one thing with attorneys. They're always willing to if they haven't if they can give advice, they will, you know. I think that's true for most professionals. Oh, really? Okay. I, I think so. I think people that have a lot of knowledge, they they want to share it. Yeah. There's no reason for them not to share it. I mean, maybe not with somebody who's being obnoxious, you know, yeah. but you can see if someone's clearly driven to do something, it really makes you want to, it really makes you want to move to help that person. I mean, I feel that way anytime I've worked with a, a younger person. Yeah. I, I, you know what? That's probably, that's probably true. I haven't had that same experience with a lot of people, unfortunately. But, um, 
but these people they were they were really willing to help me so i really appreciated that that's good okay so you got you had some cases here so had a few cases you got the office and how are you how are you marketing yourself you said you're just doing some outreach but what, what does that involve though like how are you how are you securing these clients um so i have like a little facebook page where I would post up, you know, certain things that were happening with the law so people would know I, I knew something about the law. Um, because I was so involved in the community when I was in law school, people and people knew I was in law school, people would share my name with other people. Um, so, so that was also a way I was getting a lot of word of mouth was how I was getting some business. Um, so you kind of had like a blog on Facebook just yeah, talking about the, legal stuff and yeah. people are like, oh, are you a lawyer? Actually, I am. Well, I, yeah, I had the whole, I had, <laughs> I had a whole, it was a, it was a, you know, those, it was a whole law, law firm business page okay, the business that I created page. and I added all my friends and they added people and stuff like that. And then, um, what else did I do? And then, yeah, I just did, I, I, again, I was so involved in community outreach stuff that I knew individuals who were in, in the community, like who, who were you know, public servants that I would ask that if they were having like any, you know, programs or they were having any uh, networking um, events or anything like that, that I could come to. And they would usually invite me to all of those things. So I, I pretty much went to anything and everything I could that would allow me to be around people and talk to them and share my card. Okay. So, okay. So you're getting all these clients in and at, at what point do you, does a um, what at what point does being a lawyer start to you don't feel like uh, you're not missing the income of your your second job? Almost immediately. That's just right away. Almost immediately. <laughs> so yeah. You, you wish you I, took that jump earlier. <laughs> I uh, you know what it is. I think that I think that, and I I I believe in God, and I believe in things happening things happening the way that they're supposed to happen. Um, but I think that if, if, if something is really meant for you and you want it hard enough, you want it badly enough and you're willing to sacrifice, um, sacrifice some peace of mind to get to it, that it'll come. Everything will come and it will, will, will fall in line. Now I wasn't making big money. Like even when I was a waitress, I wasn't making enough money. I was making literally enough money to pay my rent, which was a big deal. Cause at this time I had just moved out of my father's house and it's my first time having my own apartment. But I was able to, I, I found this cheap ass apartment in Boston for uh, $1,000 before I got it. It was seven, it was, a, it was, it was crappy. It was crappy as hell. $1,000 in Boston. It sounds. And it was two, it was a two bedroom apartment, but it was the, the most crappiest apartment. I mean, <laughs> it was so crappy, but it was right next to the train station and there <laughs> was, was parking, you know, so, so those are the positives, but it was such a crappy ass. It, it was down the street from, it was literally across the street from the projects. Like you open your window, you, you're looking at a whole bunch of bricks. Um, but it was a thousand dollars and it was my own apartment. It was my first, first apartment. So that was great. And, um, I was making enough just to pay that, pay my utility, utility, utilities, uh, food, my insurance, my car insurance, which was really cheap. So I was making just enough of that, but that was enough for me. If I was making enough to, to, to live, that was good for me. Like I really was okay. I really, in my head was okay with $35,000, $40,000 a year. Really in my head, I, I thought that would be, I was like, oh, as long as I'm making $35,000 a year, I'm good. 
you know, naive as hell. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, so so what happens for you that um? So you you're you're happy. You're doing you're doing what you're doing. You're doing what you went to school for. You're making enough money to get by. Um, what happens that you say that you start thinking to yourself like, I can take this. You know, I can take this a step higher. Um. Okay. So then I got a. I got a position with this organization called Suffolk Lawyers for Justice. Um, in Massachusetts, we have we have two two divisions for public de- defenders. One is the commit committee committee for public defenders, which is organized and run by the state solely, and they're state employees. And another is for is private bar advocates which is attorneys who are in private practice, but take on indigent clients. Um, And each county in Massachusetts has their own um, little organization that runs the Bar Advocate Office. And mine was Suffolk Lawyers for Justice, which was the Boston, yeah, Boston Metro area uh, Bar Advocates. So I, it was hard to get on this, it was was hard to get um, a spot because these are, older attorneys, like they expect you to be practicing for a good amount of time before you, you can become a bar advocate, you know, but luckily for me, luckily for me, I have been working with Rudy for, I think like two years, it had been two years and I I was doing serious cases with him. I did a federal trial with him. I did um, a lot of big drug, drug cases with him uh, where I was doing a lot of the writing and arguing. So I had some experience, still not enough for just, you know, my, just for a uh, solo attorney, but a good amount to put on a resume. And they, they started this program called the first year program because they were looking for younger attorneys because the public defenders, there was just way too many old attorneys. And, yeah. and the problem with old attorneys, is not that they're not effective still, it's that they're tired sometimes, you know, you get to a point where you the, the passion for your job, you start to lose interest. And it starts to sh- it starts to show in your work, so they brought on it was the it was the first time they ever did this first year program, and I applied for it. Now, the reason why it was great that I applied for it this time is because on this board, for the Suffolk Lawyers for Justice was one of my professors from law school. Now, usually people don't know their professors very well, but this professor was also the professor who would go to go with me to the high school to, to, to tutor these kids. Oh, he so remembers we, you from the program. So, yeah. This, this, so this was a program I created, and I I, I, I asked him, I invited him, if he could be um, the, the, uh, the, the staff, the okay. staff member that, that, su- that supervised us, and also to help, you know, because we were trying to prepare these kids for a mock trial competition. And he, he, so he was with us almost every single day for like three or four months. I mean, I was, I was on, on hugging terms with this guy, even though I'm sure he's awkward about it. I hug everybody though, <laughs> but I was on hugging terms with this guy. Um, and he was on the board. <laughs> and when I did, so I got the first interview. Did you know he was on the board before you walked in there? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I saw it when I looked at it, when I looked it up, I was like, oh shit. He's on the board, which is talk about. And that's why it's so important to network. You never know who you you never. I didn't know he was on the board when I was in law school. I don't know what he was doing in his private life. Right. Before. Except for. Yeah. This wasn't a five year plan. Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) I had no idea. I had no idea about any of these things. I I didn't learn these things until I was practicing and um, already out of law school. 
But I was like, oh my gosh, she's on the board. So I definitely felt like I should apply. Um, and then my first interview, they were so into they were so into the fact that I did all those community programs when I was in law school. Like they were they would just loved it. They're like, really, you created that? You you did that? You? And I was like, yeah. I mean, it's no big deal. It's, you know, they were they just they just <laughs> loved that stuff so much. I got the job. I mean, I got the position, and that made things a lot more interested. It elevated my career because because now I'm 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 I'm, I'm not just looking for cases by myself. I'm getting cases from the States because it's a, it's still about getting as much experience as possible. And I was getting, oh my goodness, my caseload could be like 100, 200 cases, you know? Like I'm getting a lot of, a lot of opportunities and a lot of experience now. It, it, and because I'm, I started in Suffolk, I started doing cases in Suffolk where I was just doing district court cases, which is um, district court cases are cases where individuals are looking for the highest, the highest penalty an individual can be seen is two and a half years in jail. I after I, I started doing district court cases and I, st- I I wanted to do even more than that, so I started doing superior court cases. Superior court cases are where people are looking at prison time from three years to life which are way more serious offenses. Higher stakes. Yeah. Much higher stakes. Yeah, which also mean I mean it's way more experience, way more stress, way more money. But uh yeah. So I I I started doing that and then I started doing it in different counties and you know, I there wasn't there wasn't a lot of young black girls <laughs> practicing at that time. So my name's getting, is, is getting thrown around. People are talking about me in jails. People are talking about me in courts. People are saying, oh, talk to her. She's a good lawyer. And, um, and yeah, I started getting way more cases through that. Awesome. So, and I remember you had an experience like that pretty recently with somebody before yeah, this, we're yeah, talking, yeah, yeah, had yeah, an old uh, someone, yes. an old friend, call you. Yeah, yourself. actually, so funny. Uh, <laughs> I have a I have a client. I have a client now who is, who gets into a lot of trouble sometimes, and he has a brother who's in in prison right now. Um, and that brother, you know, sought my services to help him with an appeal. And I was talking to him and telling him about all the things I do. And then that was it. That was the end of the conversation. Then the next day, this person. This other person calls me and I'm like, oh, I'm, and he's talking to me. He's like, are you attorney or Bohr? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm attorney or Bohr. And he's like, um, I was just talking to your client, to your potential clients. And he said, you're really good with appeals and blah, 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 blah. And then he said your name. And as soon as he said your name, my mouth just dropped. And he said, do you know who this is? I was like, no, I don't know. And then he said his name. And this person was the childhood friend of my boyfriend that I told you about earlier who passed, who, who passed away. And I knew him. I mean, we were close and I could not believe it. And he said, I am so proud of you. I cannot believe I'm getting your name through somebody else in jail that I hadn't spoken to him in at least like 12 years. And, um, yeah, at least 12 years. 
And and the fact that the way that he was able to find me wasn't because, you know, he saw me somewhere or he knew I was a lawyer and he just re- reached out. It's because somebody was talking about me in jail and said, you should call her. She's a good attorney. Literally you know? word of mouth. <laughs> Literally word of mouth. So, yeah, and, and I'm bringing a lot of cases through him now, which is also funny. But, yeah, so... It, it, it's it's it, it's worked out so far right you don't need a million dollars of marketing all you have to do is just get out there and do things exactly that's the biggest and do thing. good work that's the that's the key part right if you if you focus on money i mean you know to teach his own people fo- people have their own um, motivations i just know that not focusing on money got me further than if i had you know i find when i find whenever i get to a space of of greediness i don't think clearly when I'm thinking about how much I'm gonna make about how much money I'm gonna make on something, I don't think clearly and I don't make the best decisions. But if I think about how how is it going to help the person, because my job is to help people. So if, if I think about how it's gonna help the person, or if I think about how it's gonna help me be better at my job, then I go further. Do the work, do the good work, do the moral thing, and the money will come. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. The money will come. The money will come if you stay. To, if you stay, stick to your morals, and you make it about the job and not about what you get from it. The money will come. True, and since um, so, and this is, you were became the got the public defender. Mm-hmm. You got on the on the into that system there, so you're able to take those cases. And now you're also doing a little bit more, now that you've got a lot more experience, you're starting to do a little, little bit more branching out. Is that the, is that the goal? Um, is- yes, I am trying to do more. I, 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 I'm trying to get my, I'm trying to create a system so that I can be able to take more cases on, um, more serious cases without being overwhelmed. But I do want to take on more, um, more cases. Um, and then at some point, Ideally, what I would like is to be able to open a practice or run a practice where I can bring on one or two associates. But who knows? Who knows, really? But I'm I'm trying to get better organized with my practice now so I can be able to do something like that in the future. Right. Well, you're kind of testing waters right now. Yeah. 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 With having a, a, a smaller office with an assistant. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. I just took on an assistant, which is. Job creator. <sighs> the best thing ever. <laughs> right. I would love to be a job creator. I would love to bring, I would love to be able to pay people's salaries. Um, but yeah, and she's been so far, so far, so good. But definitely if you're a practicing lawyer or you think you want to be a lawyer, get an assistant, <laughs> pay for it. It is worth the money. You do not want to be doing these things by yourself. Even if you're just a stay at home mom or dad, also just get an assistant. Or if you're just a person who lives outside, uh, get an assistant. <laughs> Not be homeless though. Let you somebody fluff up, let someone fluff up your dirt for you. You can pay them in cigarettes. It'll be fine. Okay. Shoot, I wish I, the goal is to be able to, to afford an assistant, a chef and a driver, man, if I get there, take that stress away. I won't be, I won't talk to regular people ever again. That's true. You don't look like the kind of person that cooks their own meals. <laughs> Got her. <laughs> Got her. <laughs> I cook my own meals. <laughs> okay, occasionally. When you want to you flare it up. You don't know me. You don't know my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay. So that's pretty much the path you're on now. So thinking back, um, do you have any like vivid failures 
that just made you change the way that you do things as far as like coming from like a, um, a business perspective at it? Oh, undercharging my services. Yeah. You know, really undervaluing the the kind of work that I do and the amount of time that takes into doing the work that I do and the stress, you know, that was a, that's one thing. Like for instance, the Geico case, $2,500 and I was stressed out. I mean, I wasn't sleeping at times. I was so stressed out that I was going to she wasn't going to go to jail. She just owed money. But I was so afraid that something was going to go bad. And I charged and twenty five. I got $2,500. That. that was not enough. That was not enough for that kind of work. Um, that's definitely one huge thing. Uh, uh, things I've learned is just uh, professionalism, especially as an attorney. And, and speaking with clients, making sure that making sure that I remember that I work for them. Meaning that they at the I can advise them as much as they want to, but they make the decision. It's up to them what they want. Uh, that was that was hard for me sometimes. I mean, I remember I had a case with this man, and he's like, "I want to do this. I want to do that." And I was like, mm, "No, no, we can't do that. It's, no, we can't. We can't do that." He's like, "I want to do this." Eventually, we did do it, and it worked out in his favor. It worked out in his favor. <laughs> you know. It worked out in his favor. I was really afraid of us doing it, but it worked. He wanted to testify. And he was just this big guy. And he looked scary. It was a, And it was a assault and battery case. And he looked scary, you know? And I was just like, if people just hear you, just, if people just walk next to you, you just, you're, you're scary. He was so big and so mus- muscular. Um, but we did a good job. And he... It worked out, and they <laughs> sometimes they found you not can, sometimes you can do that hail mary thing, and it just works <laughs> out. So, and sometimes people, sometimes I think the jury wants to hear the defendants testify, but that worked out. So, so learning that I work for them, you know, I I take what whatever it is that they want, I do. Not I, I'm just I'm just there to advise. That's all I'm really there for. True. Um, and just you know, preparation. Preparation is a big deal. Making sure that I'm pre- I I I go hard in preparing as much as I do and advocating inside of court. Great, great job. I mean, I, you're obviously doing a great job. Everybody loves you. Nobody has any. <laughs> nobody has a bad thing to say about you. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm sure behind my back. Well, that's behind your back. So, nobody said anything bad to me. My face. Because it's scared to say it to your face. That's exactly right. They don't want to be litigated against. So, but you're also into, so that's pretty much everything for the lawyer stuff, but you're also kind of starting to dabble into to real estate too, as a, as a side gig. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I don't feel like it's a side, I don't, I, my first purchase. It's an extra hustle, right? Yeah, it is an extra hustle. My first purchase, uh, my first home purchase was a multifamily that's, um, that I bought, I bought really cheap in Providence, Rhode Island. At a time when Providence Rhode Island was still really cheap and it's, it's raised um, substantially in equity. So now at the end of this year, I want to buy either another four or five um, multifamily or a, a, a building. And so that's the, what I'm working towards now. The real estate properties that just basically comes from just saving money. Yeah. Just giving, just going with less for yeah. a while, saving some money for a down payment. Exactly. No extra tricks. No, <laughs> nothing. No, no uh, other side hustle, side hustles to save money. It's just me getting every, every single cent that I got 
put it away, put it away, put it away until I could afford a down payment um, on a house that I, I liked. That's such a smart move. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> it was hard. But it's been, it's been lucrative for you or it's yes, been good for it you? it has been. It has been. I'm and very thankful. The next, and the next piece of real estate you're looking at is? Yep. It's also another multifamily or uh, a building, uh, an apartment building. And I'm hoping with these two properties, it will be my retirement fund. If all else fails, you still got this. <laughs> I don't want to be practicing forever. I've seen old old lawyers, and I don't want to be an old lawyer. I th- hmm. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't want to be doing what I do forever yeah. either. I would ho- hope to mix it up. Like, I mean, there's a lot of work. There's I, a lot of, a lot of work life left. That's true. Like, I don't want to be. I don't want to be sitting here running running around in and out of court trying cases because it is. Stressful. It and is the, really stressful. The cane, a walker, right. and a scooter. I would I would like to be I mean, if I could do one trial here and there, or if I could advise other associates or something like that, that would be okay and make money off of that. But I don't want to I, I, I see some old attorneys, old public defenders who excuse me, don't have a retirement fund, um, or aren't ready to retire and just tired, you know, like they still have to work. Nope. I do not want, I don't want to feel like I have to work. I don't want to feel like that. So God willing, <laughs> I'll be able to create some kind of little nest egg for me through real estate so that I can, you know, be able to live well or right. comfortable enough that my bills are paid. Do something you love. Be amazing at it. Mm-hmm. Let money come to you. Save that money. Don't blow it. Mm-hmm. Save it. And invest it into something that you can hold on to for a while. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the that's, that's the plan. That's how the plan should be. That's a great plan. <laughs> that's a great strategy. Um, I think that's all the questions I had for you. Oh, awesome. So if you have um, anything else you want to say, and we can wrap this up. Uh, no, nothing. Thank you so much for having me. This was a, an awesome opportunity. Uh, my name is Nicola Rivervore. I am a criminal defense attorney in Boston, Massachusetts. If you are looking for a criminal defense attorney, oh, I'm sorry. Are you going to share my contact information? I was going to say, you do have some contact information you want to give out because I believe there is a brand new website. That yes, just went up there is a brand and new It's web- beautiful. <laughs> it is so beautiful. The brand new website. You can go on www.njolaw.com dot com and you'll see me you can contact me through there um thank you so much uh adam for having me i really appreciate it thank you for being here bye everybody have a good day (laughs) thank you guys Thank you for tuning into the Velocity for Change podcast. If you want to reach me to ask a question or you're an entrepreneur interested in being interviewed, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Velocity for Change. Be sure to visit Nicola Rebervore if you are in need of a criminal defense attorney at njolaw.com. Special shout out to Jerome Fenton from H for Hustle podcast who gave me a lot of great advice in starting this podcast. Check out H for Hustle podcast, guys. It's, it's great content. It's awesome. You're going to love it. Uh, tune in every Wednesday for a new guest and remember to maintain velocity.